0: Okay, well, happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the Next Steps podcast. Tuesday podcast is where we talk about the previous Sunday sermon. We get to elaborate a bit more on things that we wanted to say. We, we get to chew over things that were said. So welcome to Next Steps podcast. And as we, as we begin, we'd like to, to pay respects and acknowledge, we'd like to acknowledge and pay respects to the first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. And we also pay respect to elders, past, present, and emerging, and for their care for country, land, and seas over the past thousands of generations. So this morning, well, today, whenever you're watching this, uh, this Tuesday podcast, we've got Emily and Grace uh, um, wave, and then we'll know who you are, and then Anne (laughs) and uh, Matt, and myself, Dan. So welcome along to this week's
1: podcast. And pebbles.
0: Uh, my dog has arrived from the UK, so she might come and sit next to me soon. I can show you, but she's busy guarding the fort at the moment. <laughs> so, so it's already her domain. Yeah. So we we um in. In our sermon series, we've been looking at uh, the teaching of Jesus. And uh, we've been looking at the book of Matthew, some of his parables lately. Uh, and this week, this Sunday, we looked at the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And then next week, Renata is going to look at the parable of the mustard seed and the pearl of great price. I think it is from memory. So, yeah, but today, today we're going to be looking at the the parable of wheat and the weeds. I feel like we need to do a little warm up Um question before we get into it though like um i'm just i'm used to winter being really miserable weather in the uk like it's really gray muddy this is almost winter we've got is it one more week until winter
1: uh i guess technically,
0: <laughs> which is nuts because i'm sitting in here it's sunny it's shining through my window i can't see mud anywhere it's beautiful. So thanks, Tazzy. Thanks for turning it on. I think I remember it getting cold, July to September. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing.
1: Yeah, but not England cold.
0: Not not stop you going out cold.
1: Yeah, and certainly not Canada cold. Let me tell you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan, my wife defines England cold as it's so cold that you have to pull your lips in. Yes. Oh. <laughs> no, that's, that's her definition of English, coal, so hopefully we don't get that far.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, welcome along. So, so yesterday we, we talked about the parable of the wheat and the weeds, and I feel like we should have a quick summary on what that story is. <laughs> so, and how would you feel about running us through the story? What is the ah. parable of the wheat and weeds? And we mm-hmm. want it word perfect.
2: <laughs>
3: oh you may not get it word perfect okay go for but, it.
2: um
3: okay so one on, on one day this farmer went out into his field and he sowed good seed in the ground and well while, while everyone was sleeping an enemy came along and sowed bad seed and then the workers came to farm to the farmer a little bit later and said oh and, you know, we've we, we, you planted good seed and yet there are weeds coming up too. Uh, should we go out and pull these up? And the farmer said, um, no, um, otherwise you might pull up the good with the bad and um, just leave them there until the harvest time and I'll tell all the workers um, to pull, them aside, pull up and put aside the weeds and we'll burn them and then um, harvest the, um, the good wheat.
0: Yeah, great. Good job. That was, that was round of that's it that
3: in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want Jesus' explanation, do you, as well? <laughs>
0: well? Well, we'll come to that. Here's <laughs> my first question. Yeah. You actually, if you're hearing that for the first time, you might be like, oh, what's that? What does that mean? Um, often it's like walking into an art gallery and thinking, what were they trying to convey with that image? um so here's my first question should jesus have just actually spilled out what he meant why did he teach in parables
3: well we covered this a little bit last week um and it's worth just spelling it out again a bit now um he had a range of audiences some who really were ready just to pull him down at the moment's notice um they uh And then there are others who um, were just there for a bit of a, you know, curious, maybe for a little bit of entertainment, see what Jesus could do for them, but they weren't really interested in the message. And then there were others who were deeply interested and committed to who he was and what he had to say. And um, so he had this range of audiences and he also knew what um, most good teachers know, um, that when you tell a good story, Often you can connect with people in a way that just telling them the facts doesn't. Um, and so we talked last week about depth charges that um, what a story does is kind of like it, it can sink in to your mind and into your emotions and into your, um, yeah, into your heart and then it just explodes and you think, ah! I get that. I can see that what that means. This It's my life. And, um, and so that's what Jesus was trying to do here. He was trying to tell a story that could help people kind of disentangle deep spiritual truths. Mm. And in this case, about the kingdom of God on earth yeah. that he brought when he came himself.
0: So,
2: mm.
0: yeah. yeah, great, Anne. Eh? Yeah. Matt, is there anything you wanted
1: to add to that one? Uh, yeah, well, I, I think that there is this double edge. thing. Jesus very intentionally uh, was hiding his meaning from some people, but also, I mean, the, the, the metaphor of the depth charge isn't bad. It's, uh, it's the idea that, like Eugene Peterson talked about telling it slant, that good art can get you in a way that, an intellectual description of the art just can't do. So a a story can get to your heart in a way that a set of ABC concepts just can't do. So he could have just said, okay, here's the theological point. Uh, And and some people prefer Paul to Jesus because Paul's a bit more that way, a bit more didactic. But, uh, But it's clear that there's much more meaning able to be conveyed in a metaphor than there ever can be in a propositional statement so so that's why and what he's talking about in this parable is pretty profound at lots of different levels and you couldn't i don't think you could communicate it all that he wants to communicate i don't think you could do by just saying here's the three or four points about what happens when you die kind of stuff
0: yeah 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 Great. And I think one of the things, Jesus was intentionally hiding some bits from people or not not wanting to say it. And I think one of the bits I picked up on that was new to me was that Jesus referred to him. Later on, the disciples say, well, what was that about Jesus? Can you explain that to us a bit more? And and Jesus introduces himself as the son of man, which is a phrase that you find in Daniel chapter 7. Well, I, I think he couldn't have come out in public and said, I am the son of man. I I will have the throne eternal, everlasting, and you know, God, I'm a son of God. If he'd said that out in public, I think he would have reached crucifixion a lot earlier than he was ready to, um, because he would have had a lot of really strict opposition to that to those statements. But, but he could reference himself as the farmer without saying I am the son of man in public, and then and then interpret later. Yeah, but but great didactics, the new word for the day, is it, Matt? So, it
1: just means teaching. teaching. Which Emily knows all about. <laughs> Good.
0: Yeah. So one thing that's important for us is Emily. I might throw to yeah. you on this: one, is how how do we define the kingdom of heaven? Because this Jesus uses this phrase several times in Matthew. I I said, oh, I've forgotten the number. I think Matthew refers to heaven seventy-three times. I'd have to have a quick look. I can look while you're talking. But he talks about the kingdom of heaven a lot. So, Emily, how would you define kingdom of heaven?
4: Not that I get a nice easy one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really hard, and I remember that even on Saturday night, Will Graham like touched on it a little bit too. He was like, this verse mentions heaven, but it's not specifically talking about what heaven looks like or is like. Um, I don't know. I don't want to define it wrong for everybody, but I just think of it as a pain-free paradise where we have an eternal chill time with Jesus and God. But as to what it physically looks like, I don't know. But I'm assuming if we're going with the metaphor, there'll be no weeds there.
0: There'll be what, sorry?
4: No weeds.
0: No weeds. <laughs> yeah, no weeds, no sin, no evil. Well, that's, that's the interesting thing because in, in Matthew he says that the
4: humans wage
0: war in heaven and, and so the everlasting eternal heaven, yes, you're right there will be no sin and evil because it will be weeded out but the kingdom of heaven is also here and now where sin abounds. now yeah. so that, that's something I'd like to hear a bit more from you guys from yeah, look- Matt, did you want to share
2: a bit more?
1: I think Anne was about to jump in and then I'll dive in after yeah. her.
3: I, I think um it's it's one of the things is that um when jesus came because he said now the kingdom is with you mm. um and we talk about we use that big word incarnation if you like we talk about god being present with us and and that the you know uh, part of his coming was this this term emmanuel god with us and it seems to me that when God when Jesus came God with us in the present um, in this world with all its pain and everything else and he kind of absorbs it um, out of love for us he's giving us a picture in his own in his own body of heaven and God God present with us is where God is. God in heaven is... Heaven is where God is in totality. And here on earth, um, heaven is where God is and his will is being done. Um, You know, um, the the son of man, he comes in righteousness. He comes with justice. He comes with um, healing in his wings, reconciliation. He comes um, to bring uh peace and not the we talked about the, this a few weeks ago and the different kinds of peace but um he he embodies all of what it means to be in God's presence and um and being with God and he says this is what I want you to be doing this is God's will here on earth and when you're doing those things you're part of heaven in this Funny kind of way, which isn't often how we think about heaven. You know, some people think about floating on clouds and you name yeah. it, but that's not what Jesus is communicating here.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah I'm, look, I'm looking forward to doing a lot more teaching on heaven and hell, and because I think it's it's a, it's an area that uh, everybody has a picture of, that actually we wouldn't know it, but it's it's more informed by the book Dante's Inferno, than it is by the Bible. Um, like There's a cultural understanding of what heaven is. And what Anne is saying is right, that uh, heaven is the place where God lives. Uh, and, and, the, and the assumption in the Bible is that there are these points of intersection between the place where God lives and earth. In the Old Testament, the major point of intersection was the temple. And then Jesus comes and he says he is this point of intersection uh, between the world of our world and, and, and God's world. And then he passes that on so that the church is meant to be this point of intersection. Uh, but one, of, I think that the major misconception that we as Christians have is that the point of Christianity is to get to heaven when you die. Uh, and that and and we believe that because we haven't read to the end of the story. The the end of the story, the, the last two chapters of Revelation are about aren't about people going to heaven, it's about heaven coming to earth. It is a, a new heaven and a new earth that that there still will be a physical reality. Um and so when when Jesus is talking about, he uses the language uh in the book of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven, uh It's exactly the same. In the other Gospels, he uses the language of the kingdom of God. It's Matthew writing for a Jewish audience, uh, and it's specifically towards, it's it's more Jewish idiom. Um, But for Jesus, the, the picture of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is the place where God's will happens on earth. As he teaches us to pray in Matthew, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's, that's what the kingdom is. And, and heaven is the place where God lives. And because of what Jesus has done, we, we can have that king heaven life this side of eternity, but it'll always be a pale grey uh, picture of what it's going to be. It's going to be, and this is what this whole parable is about, we, we live in the pain of the mess and the, the reality of darkness and weeds that live with the wheat. And so I probably need to stop prattling on about it. But th- for me, I get excited about this stuff because this is, this is really important, fundamental understanding. And, and like most Christians have this wrong picture that, that ultimately when we die, we go to heaven and that's the end of the story. No, the Bible teaches when you die, you go to be with Jesus, which is in this place as best we can tell uh and we don't exactly know much about it the Bible doesn't tell the Bible doesn't actually talk a lot about what happens uh when we die uh, there's, there's a, what it does talk a lot about is this what happens in the, in the, what Jesus talks about here the end of the age the the new heavens and the new earth kind of reality and and so that's what it talks a lot more about than this in-between stage that before that happens, the people that die before that, uh, we know are with with Jesus, and we don't exactly know what that means, but we do have this picture of there, in some way. There's going to be a permanent overlap between heaven and earth, and and our reality and God's reality, and they will be they'll be one, and that's what we see at the book, end of the book of Revelation. And I said about three minutes ago, I need to stop. talking. <laughs> Actually, oh, as,
3: as you were talking, um, Matt. I, I, a little while ago, I read a book, and there might be people who are watching this or listening to this who want to explore that further, and one that I found really helpful was by a guy, um, his author name is N.T. Wright, and he oh. writes a book called Surprised by Hope. I just just
1: play my copy around. And, that and he's there.
3: talking about how Christians often don't live that hope that you're talking about, Matt, um, yep. because they've got this misconception of what heaven is and that we actually have this, we have so much hope that we can offer the world when we get that understanding a, sort of a little bit straighter in our heads.
0: Mm. So a, few, a few phrases that I found looking through Matthew about this, and this is where the it gets difficult to define, but it's, but
2: our,
0: in the Lord's Prayer, we pray our Father in heaven. So we use in English, it sounds like precise language of it's a place where God is in. And I think we interpret that as a physical or geographic, geographical place. But, it, but who knows what kind of place that is because it, it's not confined to this world, I don't think. So anyway, our Father who is in heaven. We also say um, that, that heaven is the kingdom where God's will is done. Um, yeah. He describes it as a place where we'll enter. Um
2: But I,
3: I I also liked what Em said about um where we have chill time with God. I love yeah. that really. It's great. Yeah. And um and also that there it is a place um and this is the difference between the pale grey reality we uh, reality we live in and what we looked at living in, which is a place that doesn't have those weeds in it. I think um yeah, you hit the nail on the head when you, when you said that. Great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good. So, th- so this parable, the meaning of it, Je- Jesus goes um, back to the disciples and he says, um, maybe I'll grab it from here. He says, um, then he left the crowd and he went into the house. His disciples came to him and he said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. This is in Matthew chapter thirteen thirty six. And he answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are the angel. So you can go and have a look at that. And, and the, what, what are some of the main meanings that you guys get out of this parable? Like how would you, how does this change your worldview?
4: My first immediate thought is that we're, like, in the world but not of it, which it says somewhere else in the Bible. So mm. well, there's people that are going to be in our every area of our lives that are not people for God, and there's nothing we can do to change that. I read an article once that said something about a guy who speaks to lots of atheists. He said, you know, if you found out irreputable evidence that it was all true, would you turn, repent, and believe? He said two quarters, uh, two-thirds said yes and one-third said they would still not. So no matter what happens, even if they had all the information, some people just still wouldn't. And we're going to come face-to-face with those people that are just trying to, yeah, they they won't even accept it. They don't want to hear it. It's not our job to convince anyone really. We just shine a light. But, um, yeah, that we're we're growing and that Mm. we try to choke, choke us down or weeds that we can just never root out. I don't know where I was going with that. But, yeah. We're surrounded mm. by weeds mm.
3: yeah and just before um we started recording Woo! um you talked about the picture that um uh, dan put up on the screen yesterday do you want to talk a little bit more about that yes
4: one? i loved the picture for i wish we could pop it up but basically it's a picture of the weeds and a picture of the wheat and i'm not a farmer so i wouldn't have thought about what it actually looked like back then but it's the wheat's green obviously before it goes that yellowish color that we harvested in and the the weeds were very similar they even had little pods to look like wheat and the visual I got from that was how is anyone supposed to know what's weed, what's wheat, what needs to come out, what needs to stay? Because, And I guess that's true of people. We don't know if they're going to turn out to be wheat or a weed until it's bigger and thornier and thicker or whatever and the world's done its thing to that. that thing. And, yeah, I just think that helped repaint my picture of why we couldn't just go in and weed them out, why well, we had to yeah. wait while well, he told them that they couldn't just do that. It wasn't as simple as it sounded.
1: I must confess I'm, i must have missed that maybe the people online I don't know whether where those pictures came through, so I was, I was sitting and watching at home um so that so was not in uh, yeah i don't I don't know if I saw that, but it it sounds like a useful illustration I did well, it was that-
2: very very good very good mm-hmm. um, yeah. it's
0: in there you can look at the PowerPoint in the weeks around <laughs> like the, the week's google Drive oh yeah. But- while well, well, you have a look in there, um, so here's what, this is where it gets difficult for me. Um, if you looked at Saul, who became Paul, um, so for most of his life, he actually persecutes Christianity. He actually puts people in prison. Um, he stands by and watches Christians be, be murdered, um, executed because of their faith. And so here you've got Paul, Saul, who I think if I was at living in the time, I would definitely call that a weed, that that yeah, that was against the kingdom of God, and that was bringing evil and fighting against the kingdom of God. But then, but then Saul has this amazing conversion, and he follows Christ for the rest of his life. And I don't know where we'd be without the teaching of Romans mm-hmm. and Hebrews in the Bible and a lot of his letters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is where. It gets it's very hard to tell what's weed and what's wheat, because if you asked me about pork, oh, yeah. I would have said, yeah, that's weed, God's got judgment coming for that guy <laughs> <laughs> and
3: and you know I think that's why Jesus um, made it very clear in his teaching, like on the sermon in the Sermon on the Mount, that we are not to judge that is not hey. our job. our role is to do what. We have to you know is to follow him, to follow the ways that he has taught us, to follow the way of love that he exampled. And it is not for us to point the finger, it is not for us to judge, because that he leads to his father.
2: Hmm.
3: And and we can be confident that his father will do that with all the wisdom and understanding because he because the spirit of God. Seeks and seeks out and understands the heart's motivation, Mm -hmm. and um, and what we see on the outside, or we think we know from our from our biases and expect perspective, isn't. um, We don't get it right. Often we don't get it right, and um, I remember. I mean, I've heard it a couple of times where people say, um, as an example, that you can have multiple. Um, observers of a particular incident, like maybe an accident, and people will be asked to give their statements about that accident. And often um, witness statements will not be quite the same <laughs> because they'll pick up on different things based on the way they view things. And um, yeah, and so it's not for us to judge, but we're so good at it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Or so quick to do it, at least. We're
3: quick to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And the but, other thing I like about it, sorry, Matt, I'll just go there and then you can. Um, uh, when I have a vision, of, when I've Hello. seen wheat as it's coming to harvest, but even as it's growing and you've got evil and good growing next to one another, the farmer is really confident. He knows that... At the end of the day, there is going to be way more wheat than wheat. Mm -hmm. And the integrity of the seed that he has sown will grow in good, fertile soil that roots itself in the love of God. And it will produce this amazing fruit because it is stronger. It is stronger than the weeds. It will always be stronger. It's like in John when he talks about the light has come. The light of life has come into the world, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot overcome it, and it's the same with this field of weed and wheat. Um, the kingdom of heaven, and God's will, and His presence can never be overcome. I love that. For me, is is another a um, hope, um, hope opportunity. Mm. Anyway,
1: that's go on, Matt. Right. I'm just going to say I found this. So this was what you showed? Yep. Yes, that's it.
0: Yeah. And so it's uh, not until it matures that you actually work out that it's different.
1: Yeah. What Darren, now. I haven't heard of that before.
0: Uh, they also call it fake wheat. Uh, and there's another term. I can't, I saw the Latin name, but as if I can remember that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure we've got some listeners who could type in the Latin name for us.
1: <laughs> so so and, and so this is a, it's a it's a challenging oh. parable isn't it because it's it's basically oh. saying ultimately there are some people who won't be spending eternity with Jesus yeah
2: um
1: which is not something that we want to <laughs> even think too much about and or even want to want to happen mm. um yeah. but it is it, it's a it's a reality, I, like, and I I think again I think we have wrong pictures of what hell is, and there's a whole bunch of this whole whole layers. Well I think it's going to be good to be doing more talking and teaching on this stuff, but it's it's important. What Jesus is saying is, ultimately, you can buy one of two stories. You can buy the enemy's story, which is life is all about you, or you can.
2: He
1: says over and over again, you can come to me to have life um and so it, it's a bit of an uncomfortable parable because it's, it's 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 a little black and white yeah
2: yeah
0: and i, I don't know, like i talked about Saul paul a minute ago i, I don't quite there were so many rabbit holes to go down with this parable I, that's, that's where i found this sunday quite a fair bit of work went into preparing it So how would you describe the Saul Paul thing in the light of the weeds and the wheat?
1: So are are you asking whether Paul was weeds when it became wheat? Yeah, it
3: did. I I, I touched on this when we did our podcast um, last week about, you know seed that lands on the different types of soils mm-hmm. and you asked a question well can <coughs> one type of soil always <coughs> soil or can it become a different kind of soil mm-hmm. and we talked about the fact that actually you can remove the rocks from where the rocks are you can pull out the weeds um and of course so once and and, and the, the plantings occur over different seasons so um you know But I think in this case too, and I mentioned it last week, we are, the Bible says we are made in God's image. We're not God, but we are made in His image. And He made all people, um, male and female, um, in His image. We all carry God likeness Mm -hmm. within. And, um, but. We have, we make choices. We can choose how much we want to move it to, to, to grow into that God likeness or okay. not. And okay. um, so that means that up until the moment we pass on, and then, um, and depending on what religions you come from, you might say that, that continues for a little while. I don't, I don't, I can't get into that. I don't understand any of that. But, um, what it says to me is that um, we have a generous and gracious God and he gives us many, many opportunities to come back to the essential um, image that he placed within us. He wants us to be all that he made us to be. He, he wants us to, to, to mature into likeness. he wants us to reach into being just people and righteous people he he wants us to be holy like he is holy
2: mm-hmm.
3: and when saul was doing what he was doing he, he did it because he was thought he thought he was doing the right thing he was like many of the religious leaders of his day he had a a, a particular way of understanding the world which meant that he thought he was doing good when he when he was doing what he did to the, the christians yeah. but he had essentially in his being, the capacity to respond to God, when he met God, and to and to push into his likeness,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: and so I think um, when um, when Jesus came to him on the road, he gave him that opportunity in a way that many of us don't have, and it just blew him away, and he came back to being in that place where God could. Fashion him into the and and bring out all that God like potential, and he has that. He wants that for all of
1: us. Mm. I think you've got to read this parable in the light of <laughs> the previous one, um, and and that's why it's it's all awkward. By the previous one, I mean the the parable of the sower, um, because that one because this one makes it sort of in or out. Whereas the parable of the sower uh, seems to be indicating that it's the same seed that's planted everywhere uh, and that there will be four different responses and that at least two of those responses are people who initially would claim to be responding to Jesus uh, but who ultimately aren't what Jesus would say are people of the kingdom. The first group of people... Respond emotionally, and 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 it doesn't go down and change their lives. Uh, and it, and the second group of people, which I think is the the greatest, the, the scariest group for people who are in the church at the moment, are the people who who again respond to Jesus, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other stuff, choke the kingdom, ch- choke the life of jesus uh and that that ultimately the question so so jesus is i i he's talking about the end of the age here and he's and he's he's not talking about what happens actually when you die he's saying this is what happens at the end of the age uh as as there is this refining and and over he's saying at at the end of the story there will be a a judgment uh and so paul it's not as if you're kind of weeds and then weeds. The it's the reality for all of us, we're messy. And, and, and while it's true that ultimately we will either be weeds or wheat, at another level, uh, we, we experience both weeds and wheat on a very regular, well, for my, my, in my own life. I, on the same day, I can be in love with God and loving people and stuff, and then be absolutely full of myself and an absolute idiot uh, mm-hmm. in the same, same person, uh, and so ultimately, Jesus is talking about a, a, a final a final process where he, and he talks about his day of judgment, and then ultimately, the question will be uh, who 's going to carry the weight of your sin at that point? This is what we were hearing from Franklin. Brain, no, no yeah, well. uh, but, and it's a whole lot of discussion about that we need to we need to have a much more i think sometimes we've had a really simplistic view of that but one of the things that the parable of the sower terrifies me about appropriately uh is that it's clear that there are plenty of people who uh, have responded to jesus but whose lives aren't shaped by jesus uh and and that and and in the parable also he's not talking about whether you just heaven or not. He's talking about whether the kingdom is present in your life or not. And so it's I a think
3: That that's true, but I do think this this is saying that there is a very there's a clear difference between weeds and wheat. And um and and, and, and so maybe part of that weed and so and, 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 well, I've just said one thing and I won't go back on that because I do totally believe that that we are made in God's image and that He gives each the opportunity to be Um, his people and to reflect that image in us Um, but the seed of disobedience is the seed of disobedience the seed of 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 vengeance is the seed of vengeance it doesn't it's the seed of um, selfishness is the seed of selfishness they aren't the same as a seed of love the seed of um, obedience the seed of respect and reverence I don't know they're not the same
1: where 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 are you getting these the, these different seeds from? Well, that-
3: when you talk about the, the the parable of the wheat and the weeds, he talks about the farmer planting good seed and then an enemy planting bad seed. So hmm. what's and and that seed is weed. It's it's like a poisonous seed.
2: Hmm.
3: Um, and
2: and before,
3: what does what does that seed look like compared to the good seed, I guess? Do you know what I'm saying? What goes what yeah. makes what makes one seed good and the other seed not good <laughs> for want of a better word? Or two words.
0: And I think I think where I kept coming back to with this parable is I I kept think I, I kept coming to a point where I'm like, oh, I'm overcomplicating this. Yeah. And and keeping I just had to keep coming back to the really simple thing of that at the end of this age, God will judge the the wheat from the weeds or the things that do evil or are evil and and the things that are God's. And I think um if I just keep coming back to okay, don't this is not complicated. Don't try and bring the whole of theology into this one parable. (laughs) Um and so when I when I think about the Saul Paul thing. I think the thing that I was that touched me most about this parable was that my destiny is not based on my behavior um, and and but but my my destiny is is based on my belief in Christ and what he has done and so I think the way I would interpret Saul Paul is that he gets to a point this conversion point and this is where it ties in with a different, analogy in christianity that he is born again hmm. um that he was sinful that he that he was yeah a, he was undermining the kingdom of god and fighting against it even though he thought he was fighting for it but then through this conversion he's reborn and and i don't want to over complicate the parable but i think at that point he god has this <coughs> new wheat sown that then you know, brings forth 30, 60, 100 fold of, of what, what it was, which is from the previous parable. Mm-hmm. But that's the most touching thing for me was this, what Christ has done for me and, and my acceptance and belief in that is actually what Jesus is saying is important in the end. Yeah,
3: that's great. But,
0: um... There's nothing in this particular parable about the behaviour of the wheat or the weed. It's no. just that it is wheat or weed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and the other thing that, complicated things for me trying to work this through is in Christian circles we, we very often talk about dealing with the sin in our own lives and we, we often use the phrase of weeding our own garden which isn't related to this parable but is equally valid yeah. and, and we will often talk and, and it's so appropriate that we, we want even though my destiny is not based on my behaviour but my belief in Christ so despite that, I still want to become more like Christ and go through this process of being saved and becoming more like Christ. Um, and that's both me personally, mm-hmm. but also my part in our society as well. There are things I want to fight for and stand against because I want to see God's kingdom come.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah. I think there, there's just this days where Dietrich Bonhoeffer's stuff comes in about cheap grace and costly grace. Like, yeah. I, I think it is true that my salvation is nothing to do with me and all to do with Jesus. Mm. But if my salvation isn't affecting my behaviour, I think what Jesus would be saying is you'd want to be thinking about your salvation. Like, yeah.
0: And James chapter 4 is exactly that, that point, if you want to read more on that one. Yeah. But- yeah. You show me your faith by what you do because if you've got faith without actions, it's worth nothing.
1: And that's, that's why we, you've got to hold two things in tension. We are saved by grace so that no one can boast. But there is works that God planned in advance for you to do. You, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which he, he planned in advance for us to do. And those, it's not an accident that those two statements are right beside each other in Ephesians 2. Uh, that, and, and, and there is a danger. There are, this is where the church through the 20th century sort of split a bit, where some people overemphasise grace and, and, and underemphasize character and virtue And some people overemphasize virtue and character and underemphasize grace and and neither lead you to a place of healthy relationship with Jesus.
4: I'm trying to condense all what you've just said into like simplified version for myself. So if I'm hearing you all right, you're saying like, um parable of the sower is about how we respond in times of trouble do we flee do we stand strong do we stress out and do we get like does depression take hold and with the wheat thing we're all born god's seed but then satan is in all of our hearts as well and it's about how we grow and the decisions we make and the kind of person we are and the light we shine that will determine whether or not we get harvest as a weed or a wheat am i hearing it right <laughs>
1: Well, for me, the parable of the sower is about the kingdom. It's about uh, is God like in, is God's will being expressed in my life? It, it, it's, it's quite it, and 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 yeah, and that Jesus talks about when troubles come, this is what happens. But but there's so other stuff will, uh, is going to want to come in and take you away from God's will for your life. But then the the parable of the weeds is this reminder that that ultimately there is going to be a judgment Hmm. uh and and it's an ultimately it's not a a day by day kind of thing where you go oh you know i'm a weed today or i'm a weed today it's not it's not like that but Hmm. that ultimately uh, uh, the the good news of that is that our ultimate judgment is in the hands of somebody who loves us more than anybody in any way we can imagine. You know, the, 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 the person who is the most loving being in the cosmos is, is the source of our judgment. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, we can trust ourselves to that. And it becomes a problem when, like as Dan was saying, we, we, this is where we, the church gets toxic, where, where we decide to be the arbiters of the weeds and the wheat. And we we take the judgment away from Jesus, and and we start telling people who's in and who's out, and that's where it really becomes dang, dangerous. So so yeah, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say the sower is just about what happens when times get tough. It's this ultimate picture of is is God the the word of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, what defines my life or not, and that the the weeds and the weeds, this reminder that ultimately. There is an ultimately and, and we need to live our life on the understanding that how you're feeling today isn't the the, the be-all and end-all and that there is going to be a moment of judgment and we need not to shy away from that.
3: But I think too the, um, what that parable shows is um, that there is the reality of good and evil in the world. We, yeah, absolutely. Um, we have to live with it. And yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and it will always be here.
3: It will always be here
0: in this in this age. Yeah, yes.
3: in this age.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah.
3: And yeah. whether we like it or not, we'll be growing up next to it. We'll be yeah. maturing alongside of what mm. is um, is evil is, is is isn't good.
1: And mm. and, and the reality is the, the the parts of us that are evil will also get burned up. Like yeah. that, that that ultimately the the self centered dark parts of who we are ultimately will also face judgment. Mm-hmm. This is why it's um this is the, the great challenge for me with um it, it's because here Jesus is talking about the 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 weeds and wheat being people, which is absolutely true. But I also know I identify with Paul who says the things I want to do, I don't do things I, I don't want to do. That's the stuff I keep on doing. And I keep going back to Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who wrote the book called The Gulag Archipelago. He was a communist and he thought that he was going to fix the world by beating up all the bad people. Then he, he found that the bad people didn't like him. Well, no, the, the people who he thought were good didn't like him much, they put him in prison. And, he, and he re, there's this profound statement where he says, I realise that the line between good and evil isn't between people. It's in every human heart that we all carry good and evil. Like you were saying, and I'm with you, we are all created in the image of God, every person, and every person is created to be loving and truthful and creative and responsible. That's genuinely what it means to be a human being. But the, the reality of sin means we're all also broken and damaged, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately that has to get dealt with, and that's what... Uh, we can trust that dealing with to, to Jesus.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we're coming up to the, the close. The, I feel like we've no by no means exhausted this subject. <laughs> so there's plenty no, more to say. There's I'm many, many
1: books about. written.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: there's many books about this. Um so yeah, is there anything, just as we close off, is there anything people wanted to say or comment on? And you mentioned on the quote yesterday, um, I wasn't quite clear. Um, C.S. Lewis said there are two kinds of people, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, all right, then have it your way.
2: Yeah,
3: and I think when I was listening, I, was, I didn't quite hear that and those to whom he said, yeah. I just heard, and those who, <laughs> I thought, say. Yeah. That's and that's fault. where I went. I think huh?
0: it's my fault for stammering. I remember stammering at that line. So.
3: <laughs> and then um, and then Dale and I were talking about it in the car because I went back and I had a look at what you'd actually written up uh, and what C.S. Lewis the quote. And then, and then I thought, ah yeah, so it's all contextual, it's who's saying what. And mm-hmm. um, and then uh, he says, Well, he says so if that's if God says, Well, you go off, go off and do your own thing, you know, off you go is that him tacitly approving what you do kind of thing? And, and of course, then we talked about, well, not necessarily. It's as no. it's, it's much, um, you know, he gives us a standard, he gives us a way that we can live, and he gives us hope in terms of how he will help us be those kind of people. But at the end of the day, if we make choices to live differently, then we have to put up with the consequences mm-hmm. of those choices. Yeah. And yet even still... He he says, now, if you're willing to um, listen to what I'm saying and turn back, I will heal you. Um, But you might still have to put up with the consequences of choices that you've made. And And something that's just popped into my head, you may remember with the Khmer Rouge, I mean, unspeakable atrocities were committed. And one of the people who committed some of those atrocities later became a Christian. And he felt compelled to confess that he had been one of them and he confessed to the things that he had done um, and then he have, he was one, he kind of became the focus, the world's focus of all that went wrong. He kind of wore it all and he had to bear the consequences of choices he'd made but he still knew that God had, seen all that and now he came before god the father through jesus christ his son who died on the cross through grace he came before god almighty and god saw him with love and saw him as the person he created created him to be Mm -hmm. and and he knew that but in the process he still had to endure the consequences Mm -hmm. Of choices that he made,
2: I mean, what a man of
3: car! I think that when he when he made the decision to go public and confess, he must have known he was in for a bumpy ride. And what a rocky ride that made. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so we don't always um, avoid the consequences of choices. In fact, um, you know, but but we do if we when we come back to our Lord, um, the eternal consequence mm. gets mitigated mm. and he wa- walks with us through other consequences that we might still have to to live through and put up with because of choices we've made so that was just something that came out of a discussion that we had yesterday after um, mm. so so it's actually prompted by the fact that we we were going exactly is mm-hmm. that what C.S. lewis really said mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's good to it's good to just go back and read it and 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 yep. yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah good
4: one thing that sticks with me is for the the listeners that we're coming to the end don't let the parable discourage you i think like as you start to look into it and sometimes we can overthink bits of it it can get really discouraging like oh well if my destiny is predetermined what the heck's the point like I'm going to end up in hell or if I've screwed up to this point. I don't think Jesus is meant to, he's not meaning to discourage us with this story. He's giving us no. a visual to help us understand it. Um, but he is also, he was here for a short time and he was here to challenge people in what they were thinking and gives them a bit of a kick up the bum to think about it in a different way mm. um, and maybe reevaluate their choices. Mm. So if you think you're, you're wrecked, I don't think that's the case. I think we all have the ability to... Repent, change, and all that. Amen. Good one. Amen.
0: I think we'll let Emily take the last word today. Yeah, yeah good that laugh. was good.
3: That's
1: good. Yeah, yeah, great. You so we'll, mm. we'll wrap it up, but we will see Renata this coming Sunday. Mm. Yeah, which is
0: great. So would love to see you at church, either virtually or physically. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks Thanks for joining us. And each time, we, we record this on the Mondays and it comes out Tuesday. I'm aware on some streams it says live at the top, which it's not quite, it almost sometimes it is, but usually it's before. But what we would love you to do is continue this conversation in the chat. Um, type some of your thoughts down below, get the conversation going down there. So wherever you're watching or listening to this, we'd, we'd encourage you to throw in your, do you say, two cents worth? Don't do pennies over here. So, yeah, thanks, guys.
1: Mm. And, and for those not, who are listening and not watching, you're missing out on a very beautiful picture of Grace falling asleep yeah. in a mother's arms.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know
1: when, not because you
4: know, the podcast uh, topic was boring, but uh, I think she's <laughs> contemplating it in her own baby way. You
0: know, when Emily started off by saying, chilling with God for eternity, I mean, that's a pretty good image there. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Okay.